And we believe that today the next chapter of that story is being written. We believe, we believe that the church for 2,000 years has been unstoppable through persecutions and through pandemics. But the church continues with a mission to see the world come to know who God is and how much he loves them. Right? Let's go. Listen, we believe that our role in today's society, our role in this culture is to make heaven as crowded as possible and break every CDC guideline we can to get people there, right? So we are so excited about this day, that this is a historic moment in the life of our church. It's a historic moment in the life of the kingdom, that there's going to be a time in the future when people look back on this day, people whose children are different, whose generations have been changed because of the steps that you've taken to take the message to a place not here, to an unknown people in an unknown place. Listen, we all have benefited from the story of the church. Amen? Like we all stand on the shoulders of people who've gone before us. Man, there's people who stepped out of their comfort zone so that you could hear the good news of Jesus. Man, there, there's people who believe so much that you needed life, that they brought it to you. Aren't you grateful for that? Come on. Aren't you grateful for that? Hey, if you're online and you're a follower, do this right now. Just drop the name of the person that shared Christ with you in the chat right now. And just begin to fill that up with people's names. Listen, we know that, man, we are just so fortunate and blessed to have this opportunity. And just remember why we do this. And that Jesus came and died for us. That he came to give us life. He came to give us freedom. He came to, for us to have forgiveness of sins. He came so that we could have purpose. And then he told us this. Hey, go tell everybody. Go tell them how much I love them. Go tell them they have a place. Go tell them I haven't forgotten about them. And the way they'll know they're not forgotten is if we don't forget them. And so we get to march on. We, we, we've known this day was coming, a day where we would send off family and friends, a day where we would be able to celebrate all that God has done in the life of our church, in the life of us individually, and where we, we would take some steps into the unknown to be able to launch a campus. And God told me three years ago that there would be a pandemic and that... We, that's a joke, right? No, not, not really. But we know that we did have a vision, and we believe that it's still true, and it's still from God. And while we've made some adjustments, man, we just believe that we need to march forward. Listen, why would we do this? Why, why now? Like, why, why, why wouldn't we circle the wagons a little bit, consolidate, kind of wait to see how things pan out? Is anybody tired of waiting to see how things are going to pan out? Because we don't know. Listen, it's time to march. It's time to go. It's time to move. It's time to send people. And, and here's the thing, and he, here's the point of today, right? You send people to save people, okay? Listen to me. You send people to save people. Hey, hey in the chat right now, somebody just dropped sent. Just drop sent. You're sent. We're all sent. Think about it. If someone's drowning, you're going to send someone to save them. If someone's in a burning building, someone's going to run in to rescue them, right? And, and if someone is in danger, you send people to them. And listen, if someone is lost, man, if someone needs to be found, if someone has built up walls, if someone is hopeless, because the one thing the pandemic didn't stop was hopelessness. It didn't stop purposelessness. It didn't stop anxiety. It didn't stop fear. It didn't stop people from walking in darkness. Man, you send people to them. And so today is a day that we're going to mark that. It's a day where we want to just mark this moment in your life and in the life of this church. 
And we're going to look at a passage out of the book of Acts, the early church, the one that we just referenced in the video that talked about the early church just after Jesus had gone into heaven. We're going to kind of look at that and how they sent people and what that means for us today. So, hey, let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump into the Bible. God, we're grateful that this is the day. Man, this is, this, is a, this is a day where we get to celebrate the church moving forward, that the church of Jesus doesn't stop, it doesn't falter, but God, it moves forward with the message of life, a message of hope, man, a message of forgiveness, a message of purpose, a message of, of not being forgotten. And so, God, I pray that today you just renew that vision in us, man. Just breathe it fresh into our hearts today, man, that our hearts will be open and our hands will be open to just receive what you have for us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, let's grab our Bibles. Let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be in Acts chapter 12 and 13. Acts chapter 12 and 13. Acts is uh, literally the Acts of the Apostles, right? The Acts of the Apostles. And so as we get to that passage for today, I just want to give a little context, kind of the story that we're looking in, so you'll know some of the background. Now, now, and in the early church, there was this, this guy named Stephen, not this one, but another one. And Stephen was stoned for his testimony of Jesus. He was, he was executed. And so after that happened, the followers um, who were there in the early church were like, hey, we probably should leave town. And so they were in Jerusalem, which was the hub. They leave Jerusalem and just scatter all over Asia Minor and all over the world. And as they go, they don't just shut down. They don't just hide. They don't just, they don't just forget everything. They actually go and they tell people the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And people began to believe and churches began to get started. And so this particular story of these believers happens in the city of Antioch. Let me hear you say Antioch. And so now Paul, Saul and Barnabas have gone to Antioch to check in on this early church. And they teach for a year. Then they go back to the hub in Jerusalem. And then after they're in Jerusalem for a while, they're like, hey, we got to get out of here. Let's go back to Antioch. And God is in the midst of moving this this hub of Christianity from Jerusalem to Antioch. Antioch is the first place where Christians were called Christians. And so now that Saul and Barnabas have come back, it's where we pick up our story for today in chapter 12, verse 25. It says, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. I told you that part. You remember I just told you that? You got that? They returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, and they brought with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now there was in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, who, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. And so you see that, that they are sent to a people so they can go and save people. Now, now there's some things about Antioch that we need to understand. It'll help us understand kind of our method and our mission. Now, Antioch was a major port city in the, in the Roman Empire. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was, it was at the crossroads of north, south, east, west trade routes, super important. But they had a problem. And the problem was they could not get along. Sound familiar? There was hostility between these different groups of people. So what they did in Antioch was they built walls to separate people to try and keep the peace. So you had Greeks that lived in one, uh, behind one wall. And you had Jews that lived behind another wall. And you had, you had uh, 
Romans who lived behind another wall. And the city was divided with all of these walls. And so the church comes in, and guess what the church does? The church breaks down these walls. The church is the only thing that can break down the walls that separate people. Now, now, now to take it a step further, I want us to look at the names, the fi- names of the five guys in this story. Because it's really easy for us to kind of run past names. I don't know for you, but maybe when you're reading the Bible, sometimes you come to names, you just kind of read real quick to get to the rest of the story, right? And so these names are really important because it tells us something about the types of walls that the gospel will break down, the types of walls that we want to break down in Sandy Springs. So the first one we see is this guy named Barnabas. Let me hear you say Barnabas. Barnabas. That was good, right? And so Barnabas was a nickname, and it means son of encouragement. Like, wouldn't you love to be son of encouragement? Like, Barnabas sounds like a bad name, but man, if somebody calls you Barnabas, you're, you're the life of the party. You're, you're the one that draws people in. You're always positive. You see the best in people. You are Joe Baker. That's who you are. And everybody needs that kind of person. So you have Barnabas, the first one. Barnabas, who, <clears throat> excuse me, was a Jew, right? The second one, notice what it says. It's Simeon, who was called Niger. Now, that was probably because he was from Niger, which is a country in North Africa. Niger also means dark-skinned. So check me out, right? We see a wall coming down, right? An ethnic wall, a racial wall coming down even in the midst of this early church. So Simeon and Barnabas. And then you have this guy named Lucius. Now, let me tell you about the importance of Lucius. Do you know the importance of Lucius? I know, neither does anybody else, right? Um, but he was one of the five. Lucius could have been Luke, actually, Dr. Luke, who wrote this book. But then you have this guy named Manan, and it says what? He was a companion, of Her- a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. Now, if you're a lifelong friend of somebody, you got some things in common. You like some of the same things, right? You may not always agree, but, you know, you kind of stay connected with them. You're phoning them, maybe shooting them a text. Now, let me tell you about Herod, and he's going to tell us a little bit about Manan. Herod was the, the, the ruler who executed John the Baptist. Herod was one of the rulers who participated in the murder of Jesus. He gave permission. So now you have Manan who grew up in the aristocracy, who grew up in royalty as a friend of Herod, but now he's become a Christian. So what we see is the gospel breaking down social walls, breaking down political walls, breaking down uh, socioeconomic walls. And then, and then it moves on, talk about Saul, right? Saul's the fifth person in our list. And so Saul was a religious leader. He was a, what was called a Pharisee. And what, what Saul did was Saul was in charge of persecuting and executing Christians. But then God transformed his life. And he had that, he had that encounter on the Damascus Road in Saul's life. And now you have these five guys, and we see all these walls that get broken down so that these people can go on mission, they can be sent, and people can come to know the gospel. And this is the type of God that we serve. Man, and when we go, to, when we, when we go down to Sandy Springs, listen, we're not going to a location. Hear me. We're going to a generation. Man, we're not going to a place. We're going to a people. We're going to people who need the gospel. Millennials 
who grew up going to church, 60% of them don't go to church anymore. And they've built up these walls, and we're going to break down walls, walls of skepticism, walls of suspicion, walls of religiosity, walls of atheism, walls of darkness. We're going down to break down walls so these people can come to know what it means to walk with a God who loves them and hasn't forgotten about them. Listen, we are, yeah. We're a sent people because there's people out there who are in danger and need saving. And so these five guys, man, they, they come together. And notice how, notice how they come up with this idea, this mission. It says in, in, in chapter 2, uh, excuse me, in 13 verse 2, it says this. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so what we see is this call, this sentence happens in the, in the context of worship and fasting. And when you worship and fast, you know what happens? You get closer to God. And closeness to God creates movement towards people. Closeness to God creates movement towards people. The word for worship also means that they were serving each other through prayer. That's how they were worshiping. It's how they were fasting. They were praying for each other. And in reality, man, prayer, it is the first missional move. Prayer is the first missional move. Like sometimes you may feel like you're not close to people and maybe you've got a relationship problem or you don't know who, who, who you could be sent to. And the problem is not a people problem. It's a God problem, isn't it? Somebody say amen right there. Right? It's, when we're not close to God, we're not going to see people the way God sees people. And prayer is the first missional move. And I think all of us need to feel like we're sent to somebody. We're all sent to somebody. And if you don't feel like you're sent to somebody, it could be maybe your prayers are where you need to start. Man, prayer is the first missional move. You know, there's this saying that, I, that one of my pastors early on in my life told me right after I decided to go in ministry, felt like God was calling me. And I was trying to determine exactly what it is that uh, God wanted me to do. And this is what he told me. He says, everybody's willing to go. Everybody's willing to go. Everybody says, I'll go if you send me. But not everybody's planning to go. Not everybody's planning to go. Not everybody's saying, Let, I, I'll, everybody's saying, I'll do it. But not everybody's putting feet to the fire. And so what happens in prayer is you start planning to go. Because here's what happens. You say, God, my hands are open. God, my heart, my heart is open. God, I, I, I'll go. Here am I. Send me. Send me, God. I'll be the one that goes. And I don't know that everybody's called to go to a different location. I don't know that sometimes we're afraid that God's going to send us somewhere where we don't like the cooking. Can I get an amen right there? But the reality is we're sent to where we are. Man, we're sent to the people that we know. We're sent to the people that God puts in front of us. We all need to have this sense that we're sent because people need to be saved. People need to be saved. Now, now I love it when it says the Holy Spirit told them, right? It says um, in, verse, in verse 2, it says the Holy Spirit said. In other words, God said to them in verse 2. Now, what does that look like? like? It doesn't really give us any indication of how God said it. Like God could have used an audible voice, right? He could have pulled out the James Earl Jones voice and says, send out Saul and Barnabas. You know, he could have done that. It could have been that maybe one of the leaders there just say, hey, I believe God wants us to do that. Let's go do that. But more than likely what happened is Saul, in his entrepreneurial spirit, says, you know what, Barnabas? I think we should go on a journey. And here are the cities I think we should go to. And then what happened, Barnabas would have said, that's awesome. 
I think we can do that. I'll pay for it, right? Because I got, I got bills. I got stacks. I can take care of it. And so Barnabas says yes. Then they ask Simon, and Simon's probably like, ah, I don't know. How much is it going to cost? Aren't there enough people here for us to reach? Like, is this really the wise decision? And then they began to debate and discuss until they came to this, man, they came to this consensus. They came to this point where they said, we can't not do this. We have to do this. Man, this is kind of how the journey was for us. As years ago, you know, a few years ago, as we, man, really got crystal clear on our vision to elevate the name of Jesus, we knew that God wanted us to multiply. Like, hey, where do we go? And so we began to debate. We began to discuss. We began to argue maybe a little bit about the different places and the different methods to go. Do we launch a church or we start a campus? And we, you know, kind of landed on we want a campus because we want to multiply who we are. And then one thing led to another, and we found ourselves just kind of focused and our attention focused on Sandy Springs. And we believe this is the move that God has for us to go and to launch a campus in Sandy Springs. Now, now one of the things about um, when you try to follow God's will, have you ever heard of this idea of the open door? Like God's going to open a door, you're going to walk through it. And I don't feel like that's the normative life of a Christian. Do any of you? Have you noticed sometimes that God closes a door and you just need to kick it down? Can you say pandemic equals closed doors for starting campuses? Somebody write closed door in the chat right now, right? I mean, can you imagine? You guys have no idea of the closed doors, the no's that we got, the hardship that happened. Man, and we have just kept, we meaning our Elevate City launch team, have kept kicking down doors and knocking them down and trying to find different ones and taking a blowtorch to some doors to get them down out of the way. Listen, they have done an amazing job. And so Saul and Barnabas are the ones that are sent. Here's a very critical part of this story. And I think it's critical for our church. I think it's critical for all churches. Man, notice they sent their leaders. They sent their leaders. They didn't send their leftovers, I like to say. Man, they sent Barnabas. So I can only imagine, I can only imagine the discussions that happened. Barnabas, you're leaving? But everybody likes you. Like, who's going to man the welcome desk out front? Who's going to make people feel at home? People are going to stop coming. You're, you're our biggest giver, Barnabas. You can't leave us. And then Saul. Like, Saul, who's going to pray? Who's going to teach us? Who's going to correct people? Right? But they send their leaders. And here's what happens when you send your leaders out who know what they're doing. God has a way of letting other people fill in the gaps. God raises up other people who have a dreams and desires and identity. God raises up other people who are equipped to accomplish the task that God has given us. Man, and when we looked at, man, who are we going to send, who should go, it, it, it was obvious, right? It was obvious. We should send the leaders who know how to start things. We should send the pioneers and the entrepreneurs. Man, that's how we should get this one off. The, uh, and it's also taught us that there's others that need to get sent, that we need to continue to train in this direction. And as you know, Joy McLaughlin is going to be uh, heading up the charge for us to go to Elevate City. Come on. And, uh, man, Joey has a passion. He has a gifting. Um, he has the energy. He has the youthfulness uh, to take on this endeavor. And I'm so excited about what God's going to accomplish. He's felt this call in his life from, from an early age. And so one of the things that I say about Joey, and it's probably the biggest compliment I could give him, is Joey inspires me and challenges me to love Jesus better. And I know that's what he's going to do for a generation that's just needing someone to bring them some answers so I'm going to ask Joey, man, would you come up? 
Joey doesn't like to speak, but I've asked him to today. Love you, man. You're awesome. Love you, dude. Come on. Isn't this amazing what we get to do together? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm so grateful to be a part of a church where God is on the move. We are launching locations when everybody else is closing doors. Like, how awesome is that? That the church of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. I'm so honored, so grateful to be a part of a church that is full of courage, that bleeds bravery, and that loves people enough to launch new locations in the midst of a pandemic. I am so grateful. Um, I'm grateful that Stephen Gibbs was willing to take a shot on me eight years ago. That dude had no idea what he's getting himself into, did he? No idea what he was getting himself into. You know, a lot of people, when they praise pastors, they say that they're just the same person off the platform as they are on the platform. I want you guys to know that Stephen Gibbs is better. He's a better dad and he's a better husband and he is a better leader and he is a better pastor off the platform than he ever will be on the platform. And uh, man, I love you and I'm so honored to call you one of my best friends um, to say that you're my brother in Christ and you will always be my pastor. And um, the thing that I love about our pastor is that he's a hero maker. He uses his life to build platforms for other people to stand on. You know, Stephen talked about my youthfulness. I want y'all to know he's in his 50s, so he's really old, okay? And um, in his 50s, he surrounded himself with these young 20-somethings who are full of passion and ambition because he knows that if you hire young leaders to lead a young church, then you'll get a young church and a young church never dies, amen? And I'm pumped to be a part of a church that's going to last way longer than just some 20-year run, that it's a church that's going to echo into eternity. Um, I'm so grateful for you guys. I'm grateful that y'all put up with my antics. It's been a lot having Joey McLaughlin on this staff, okay? If y'all remember the days of me in student ministry, it was cray cray, okay, okay? Like we did food fights, we broke stuff. There was a time where I made a kid pass out, took him to the hospital. It was a bad day, yo. If you remember drafts and zebras, some of the crazy videos, me jumping over a car, putting on a suit, getting bit by a dog, it was wild, all right? And it's been wild since too. Sometimes I'll preach for like an hour and a half. You never know what's gonna happen. Y'all remember Naked Church, period ring, okay? If you know, you know, all right? It's been some wild times up here. It's been quite the journey and I'm, I'm grateful for you guys. This has been such a place of grace and growth for me. Such a place of grace and growth. You know, I'm friends with pastors and leaders all over the country and they get emails all of the time with people complaining. Most of the emails in my inbox are emails of encouragement. We have a culture where you guys don't complain, but you encourage because you're buying to the vision. You, you, you don't care about your preference as much as you care about um, the purpose that God has called us to. And I just love that. Can we just celebrate that that's the kind of culture that we have here at Stone Creek? So grateful for you guys. I'll never forget the first day that I moved in. I was living in Cumming, moved from Pennsylvania, and there were so many people there who showed up to move me and my wife into a home who loved on us and who cared for us and who went on this crazy journey with us. This has been such a place of grace and such a place of growth. You know, I've gotten the opportunity to lead almost every ministry at Stone Creek. I got an opportunity to lead our student ministry and our kids ministry, our missions ministry, our groups ministry, our creative ministry, our connections ministry, our outreach ministry. But you know, I haven't gotten a chance to lead our worship ministry yet. So I just want to take some time today and just sing. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm not going to do that because I love you guys. Um, it has been such a great place of grace and growth. And now it's time to go. And I'm so grateful that we get to go together. 
You know, a lot of people have asked me over the last couple of weeks, like, are you sad? Like, are you sad? Like, you've been here eight years. Like, you love this place. This is your church. We love you. We're going to miss you. Are you sad? And I'm like, no, no, I'm not sad because this isn't a Joey thing. This is a Stone Creek thing. This isn't a me thing. This is an us thing. We are going to Sandy Springs. We are launching something new. I feel like I won the lottery, okay? Like, I always knew that God was going to use me or call me to do something like this. The fact that we get to go together is amazing. I know that we got different names, but we got the same heartbeat. We got a culture that's keeping us together. We're in different cities, but the same call to elevate the name of Jesus over everything and for everyone. That's what we're going to do, and we get to go do it together. You know, for 2,000 years, this has been the mission of the Church of Jesus Christ. He has sent people we are the sent ones. God, as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus sends us. And, you know, I turned over to my wife yesterday. As we woke up at 5.30 a.m. yesterday for a training, and I turned over to her and I said, what are we doing with our lives? Why are we even doing this, right? Like it would be so much easier to just stay, so much easier to just consolidate, so much easier to just play it easy, wait for Stephen to retire, please God, soon, and then I could take over the ship finally, right? It would be so much easier. But then I thought about Luke 15 where Jesus tells this story about a shepherd. And there was this shepherd and Jesus says that he had a hundred sheep and one of these sheep wandered off, it went astray. And the way Jesus tells the story is so interesting. He says, would not the shepherd leave the 99 sheep to go after the one? And I'm thinking to myself, well, no, Jesus, most shepherds wouldn't, right? Most shepherds would protect the 99 because they're afraid that they might be at risk because if one went away, maybe more will go away. So if we lose one, we don't want to go after the one because we might lose more. You see, in our Western minds, it's so much more easier to focus on the whole as opposed to chase after the one runaway. In our carnal minds, we care more about the crowd, but in Jesus' mind, he cares about the individual. He cares about the people. He's the kind of shepherd that runs after runaway sheep. And so we want to chase after the city of Sandy Springs the way that Jesus the shepherd chases after lost sheep. There's a lost generation. There is a missed millennial people who don't know the love of God, who don't know the love of Jesus. And I know what the statistics say about the story of my generation, but I want to believe in the scriptures more than I believe in statistics. I want to believe in God's word more than what Google says. I want to believe in God like he believes in me. And I want to believe that he is not done with my generation yet, that the best is yet to come, that the story is still unfolding, that love is on the move, and that we get to be a part of it. And so we're going to run after a lost generation. And Sandy Springs, if you're watching right now, if you're listening, I want you to know we're coming and you are not ready, okay? You are not ready um, for what Jesus is going to do in that city. And I want you to know that as we are sent, you are sent. I hope that on a day like today, you have a crisis of faith. I hope on a day like today, you have a crisis of faith and you ask yourself, who am I sent to? You know, there's going to come a day when we're all going to stand before God. And I believe he's going to ask us two questions. He's going to ask you, did you know me? And what did you do to make me known? Did you know me? And what did you do to make me known? 
And I know on that day as a church, we'll be able to say that we went to cities where there weren't churches like ours, that we ran after a generation that everybody else had given up on, that we did everything that we could to plant a church in the middle of a pandemic because we believed that, that people need to know Jesus, that there is nothing like knowing Jesus, and that's what we're going to do. And so I just want to pray for us. I want to pray for this movement that we get to be a part of. I want to pray for the city of Sandy Springs and pray for Milton, Georgia, because God is not done yet. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And I'm so grateful for the promise that you've made to build your church and that you've told us that the gates of hell cannot stop it. A pandemic can't stop it. COVID can't stop it. Racial division can't stop it. An election can't stop it. The economy can't stop it. Doubters can't stop it. Skeptics can't stop it. Nothing can stand in the way of what you are building. Jesus, I don't have a lot of faith in me, but I got a ton of faith in you. I believe that you are able, that you are willing, and that you love people more than I ever could. And so, God, we just are open-handed, and we are full-hearted, and we are expectant to see you do something great in our day. God, I pray that you would just continue to raise up a generation of dangerous Jesus followers who will not go quietly into the night. God, I pray that if people have to go to hell, that they go to hell with our arms clasped around their ankles, pulling them towards heaven. I pray that we give everything that we've got to pour out our lives so that people can know the love of Jesus. It's not theoretical. It's not an idea. It's found in a person who came and laid down his life for each and every one of us. And it's available. There are people in Sandy Springs who you've died for and they don't know it yet. There are people who you've purchased salvation for and they're just scared and alone and lost. But God, we're going so that they can be loved. God, I pray that what starts here on this day continues in each of our lives as we walk out the door, that we don't just live as a sent church, but we live as sent people to neighbors, to family members, to coworkers, to people who need your love, Jesus. We love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. and amen. 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 That's a yeah, weak clap. Yeah, come come on. on, people. We got to cheer. You see a hand clap emoji in the chat. Hey, so what we want to do is take a moment just to pray, just like that did in the early church for this crew that's heading down to Sandy Springs. So I'm going to invite the, the dream team up. If you guys would come up on stage. Come on. Um, and if you bring your children, bring your kids, all that. Thank you. So we want to take a minute. Now, the model we have for this is out of Acts chapter 13, verse 3. As we were finishing up that passage, it said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And then it says this. It says, after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. And so, man, from, I know for Joey, I know for many people have been fasting just to prepare. What are you doing up here? <laughs> um, and so they've been fasting and preparing. And, um, man, we just want to send them off. It says they laid hands on them. And the reason you do that, there's no, nothing magical that happens in that moment, but it is just this identification, saying, hey, we're with you, we're behind you, we're for you, we got your back. And so um, we just want to do that today. You know, obviously there's some things that we'll miss. I'll miss worshiping with Joe and Joey down on the front row. Um, and I think that we'll get to do that one more time. But I'm going to take a moment and pray for all of us, for this crew behind us, people who have sold houses and you know, forsaken job promotions and so much else to make this happen. The stories that many people won't know in the next 10 years, but they'll know about it in eternity. 
And so I couldn't be more proud of a group of people and a group of leaders going to start um, going to start this movement. So if you would, as I pray for them, I'm going to ask everybody if you would just stand. And I'm going to ask everybody in the room if you would stand. I'm going to ask everybody online if you would just stand right where you are. And I'm going to take a minute. And I'm just going to pray for this crew as they leave. You know, guys, I know, man, God's going to do something incredible in your life. That there's going to be opportunities in the future um, where you, you're going to feel like you got tired. But you're going to remember the stories. You're going to remember the people whose lives got changed. You're going to remember those whose marriages got rescued and whose generations got changed because of your faithfulness. Man, to just take the hard step to get up early and to stay up late and to work hard. And I promise you this, I believe that at the end, God's going to say, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Let's pray. So God, we know that you're a God who sins and that you sent your son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so, God, we just pray now as these get sent, Lord, we're just grateful for friendship. Man, I'm grateful for people who are just so sold out to Jesus that they would do what's uncomfortable and go. Lord, I'm grateful for the vision you've given us to elevate the name of Jesus. God, I pray that wherever we go, that's what we're known for. And I pray that in the city of Sandy Springs, it's different, God, because of the light of Jesus shining in that community. God, I pray that, man, I pray that marriages are different. I pray that homelessness is different. I pray that politics is different. I pray that racial equality is different. I pray that social equality is different. God, we just pray that it be different because of the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to bless the work of their hands. Lord, in a season when it's been harder than normal, God, in a season where a pandemic could steal a generation from the church, God, that we go down there with faithfulness and God, with eyes towards eternity and hearts towards heaven to see a generation come to know you. God, help us to never forget that it's not about us, man. It's not about Stone Creek having a campus. It's not about Elevate City's growth. It's about people coming into connection with their Savior, whose name is Jesus. So, Lord, we're grateful. God, we just ask you to remove us from this equation. It's not about us, man. It's not about our egos. It's not about our pride. God, and if there's any of that, just remove it, Lord. And, God, we just want to have our hearts wholly committed to the one true God. We're grateful for the name of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 Amen.